You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 blue this, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. It's Knicks and Cavs preview week here on Orange and Blue Bloods. EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer, joining you guys for another edition of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey, WFAN, original a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcast, including free Odyssey app. Make sure you get that auto-download feature. we got plenty to get to on this show. We will be talking in-depth with a person who's been following the Cleveland Cavaliers all season about what he expects to see from this series, some of the matches we should be looking forward to, and his prediction for what will happen between the Knicks and Cavs in this first-round matchup. We'll also get you updated on the Knicks-Cavs series schedule that came out, and we'll give you guys the latest on the play-in tournament. There have been some, shall I say, interesting games in the first round. I don't know if I guess he called them well-played games, but certainly a lot of uh, interesting games and interesting results, so we'll give you guys an update on that. Tommy joins me as well. Tommy, how you feeling? Feeling good. Um, happy to welcome Jackson in, and let's get right into it. Let's talk a little Knicks and Cavs, my friend. Exactly. Thanks for having so, me on. Yes, exactly. So the Knicks and Cavs face off in one of the most anticipated first-round matchups in this year's uh, postseason. Game one is on Saturday, and while we've spoken so much about the Knicks this season, we thought today was a great chance to get more of an inside look at their opponent for this series. So, as Tommy mentioned, and the voice you just heard, joining us to break down the Cleveland Cavaliers and what they've done this season, how they're going to approach this first round matchup is Jackson Flickinger. He is a writer for the Cavs blog, Fear the Sword. Jackson, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me on. I uh, just love talking basketball and especially playoff basketball. So this should right. be fun. Exactly. This is my favorite time of the year. A lot of basketball fans' favorite time of the year. So with this being such a high-profile series, I think that this should be an awesome conversation. So I want to get into these Cavs. I think there are Knicks fans who have actually been kind of following the Cavs from a distance because of all the stuff that happened with Donovan Mitchell. There are even some Knicks fans that are still lamenting the fact that Donovan Mitchell isn't on the Knicks. So um, I, I think that a lot of Knicks fans maybe have more familiarity with the Cavs than they would maybe some other potential first or matchups they have. But considering there are many who maybe haven't been following the Cavs this season, I want to start off the gate asking, how did they get to their 51 wins this season? Um, So really the Donovan Mitchell fitting in with the big three that they kind of already had is the biggest reason why this team has been so good. Um, it's easy to just look at Donovan Mitchell and say, hey, he's the one who's leading wins and he's, he's the one who's making this engine run. And that's true. But it's really the core four of Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and Donovan Mitchell that are just making this this engine hum like it is. And it's really their fit together. And when the Cavs are at their best, they have all four players playing together because they all complement each other in really interesting and unique ways that when one of them isn't isn't out there, you just kind of don't 
get that same good team. And the Cavs have been a really good team. They have the second best point differential this this season. They have the seventh offense. They have the first defense. This is a team that has been really good all season long, and it's really because of their core four. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tommy. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, just briefly in our, our little pre chat before we hopped on here that the Cavs were a good matchup for the Knicks. I was just kind of thinking your thoughts, why um, New York in particular, uh, you know, you feel that there are some advantages that that Cleveland might be able to exploit. So I think really the Cavs on the offensive end, I think it's a, I think the Knicks are going to have a tough time handling Allen and Mobley inside the teams that have given the Cavs the most problems are the teams that can both take away Allen and Mobley and also still contest shots at the rim from their guards. And what I'm really concerned about is like the Darius Garland pick and roll. We've seen a lot, like a lot of instances this year where the Cavs have like the Cavs are at their best when they can get, you know, Allen and Mobley both attacking the rim and Mm -hmm. Garland, you know, coming down with Mitchell spacing the floor and the teams that really do a good job of shutting that down are teams that can kind of hide a really good Swiss Army knife defender on Isaac Okoro, who's not a good offensive player. Right. Uh, so the teams that can hide like a really good defender on him and can kind of mess that whole process up are the teams that really give the Cavs a lot of problems. And I don't know if the Knicks have that kind of guy who can, you know, who they can hide on Isaac Okoro, who can mess everything up while also still having really good defenders on Mobley and, and Allen and Garland and Mitchell. So that's that's why I kind of – that's where I see the Cavs' biggest strength in this series. That's interesting because the guy that I expect to start on Okoro or play most of the minutes on Okoro will probably be Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Brunson has been pesky with taking charges this year, but you know, will he be able to kind of wreak havoc as a help defender uh, beyond the charges I think will be an important part of this series. Um, I think one of the things that's interesting about this series, because I get that impression that Cavs fans feel comfortable um, and keep, keep Cavs observer feel comfortable about this matchup with the Knicks and then vice versa. I feel like Knicks fans, Knicks observers feel like they feel very comfortable about the Knicks being an underdog, but feeling like they can do something in this series. The Knicks took three out of four from the Cavs in the regular season. These were wildly different games in regards to pace uh, even the personnel that was playing in some of these games. And, of course, the results, some were high-scoring games, some were really low-scoring games. Um, what, if anything, do you think the Cavs took away from those matchups and what would be their first priority in terms of what they are trying to take away from the Knicks in this series? Uh, so I think really the one constant throughout the four games has been the Knicks have just done a really good job on the offensive glass against the Cavs. They've just been able to get a... Uh, ton of rebounds, a ton of second chance points. Um, And that's something that I think they're going to have to really do well against this team. And another thing that they did well in their four matchups is they really shot the ball well from deep. This Cavs defense really tries to take away the paint and they struggle when 
you get a hot shooting night, um, you know, from an opponent, but, but in particular from a big. And I think the game where we saw, so their January 24th game, that's the only time that the Cavs had their core four together for one of those games. And that was also the game that Julius Randle was unstoppable from deep. And the Cavs just didn't really have an answer for that because what the Cavs do best is they keep, you know, they keep Jared Allen on the center and they have Evan Mobley kind of, you know, roam off and kind of just help and wreak havoc everywhere. And when you have a player like Julius Randle, who was hot from deep, you kind of don't allow Evan Mobley to do what he does best. So, you know, that's why, you know, teams that can shoot good from the outside and, and in particular from their bigs, those are the ones who give the Cavs problems. So that's what my big takeaway was from the, from their games this season. Yeah, it, and, and obviously in the in the final game, we had the 48-point game from Brunson. Um, you mentioned that during January 24th game, Brunson had, I believe it was just 16 points on, mm-hmm. on, on 5 of 13 shooting, I believe. Um, and obviously the difference being the Coral available. Um, so, so two things. Um, one, uh, just a medical update on Okoro. Sounds like he's trending in the right direction. Bickerstaff has said kind of day to day. Do you think he'll be available for game one? And uh, if he's available, I assume you think he'll be in the starting lineup as that as fifth guy next to that core four. Yeah, if he is going to play, he will be starting. Um, they really like having Okoro out there to start games, especially against a team that has a really good offensive player like Jalen Brunson. Uh, Okoro is, you know, he's 6'6", but he's really best when he's guarding smaller type guards. He's not somebody you put on like, you know, in their matchups against the Celtics, they don't put him on like Jason Tatum. But, you know, so when, so he's really, he's really at his best against somebody like Jalen Brunson. And you can't take away Jalen Brunson entirely. He's too good offensively, but there's a big difference between what Isaac Okoro can do and what Lamar Stevens can do. Lamar Stevens was the guy who just let Brunson just go off on him. And Lamar is kind of JB Bakerstaff's version of like, if Isaac Okoro isn't there, we're just going to put Lamar on him and mm-hmm. just try to keep the game plan exactly the same and try to keep Karis Liver coming off the bench. And it's really not something that I would think the Cavs would do in a playoff series, even if, you know, for whatever reason, Isaac Okoro can't play, they're going to start Levert and he's probably going to be the guy on him. And Levert, he's been a good team defender this year, but he's certainly not somebody who you would say, yeah, I feel comfortable with him on, you know, Jalen Brunson. But I do think Isaac Okoro is going to be available. JB is, JB Bakerstaff is very, he tries to be sly when it comes to like injury reports and stuff. He's really, he's really tries to be like, hey, I'm hockey coach. So I think, I think that Isaac is going to play how effective he's going to be. That's another question, but we really won't know until we, you know, get game one going. EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer here. Jack Flickinger joins us uh, from Fear the Sword Cavs blog. We're breaking down the Cleveland Cavaliers as they head up into this matchup against the New York Knicks. And I saw you posted an article yesterday about why Darius Garland could be the X factor. You mentioned it a little bit. Um, earlier in this conversation why do you think he could be the difference in the Cavs winning or losing I thought some of the interesting you post some interesting stuff regarding how uh, they attack the Knicks and pick and roll and how Garland could be really the difference in this series yeah I mean it's just when you play the numbers game you know 
Evan, Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen, they're so good at finishing at the rim. You just want to kind of limit that because once they get going, it's hard to get them to stop, you know, and what Darius Garland does best is he feeds those guys, you know, puts them in position to succeed. So what the, so what I expect the Knicks to do is kind of make sure that Darius Garland can't do that and live with some lower percentage shots. And, you know, Darius Garland has been, Darius Garland has had a very good season, but he can sometimes be a streaky offensive player. We saw that last year in the play-in where the first game against the Nets, he was, he was great. And then against the, against the Hawks, he got completely outplayed by Trey Young. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be his first playoff series. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him. I think that he's the guy that the Knicks are going to say, Hey, like if Darius Garland beats, beats us, that's, you know, that's one thing, but we can't, but we can't let Mobley and um, Allen just get a free run at the rim. It makes a lot of sense. Um, The one player I'm kind of interested in, in, you know, looking at the series, I think from a Knicks perspective, a lot of fans think RJ Barrett's going to be the X factor. And in some ways he's been very frustrating, inconsistent, uh, been down some good games, have some bad games, not quite up to snuff as, as well as you want to play defensively. Uh, I, I kind of get the sense that, that uh, Karis LeVert is similar in that respect, uh, you know, in Cleveland. Um, what can we expect to see from him? And, and I know you've mentioned the core four kind of focus on them a lot. How important is it? For if the Cavs are going to win the series, you know, do they need a, a quality, you know, series from Karis LeVert? How is he? How, how important is he to the overall picture here? He's important, I think. So what Karis LeVert does is he raises the ceiling of this team. When you have the, like the Cavs have been good throughout this whole season, and they've really only gotten a good Karis LeVert for two months. You know, mm. even a like the biggest problem with the Cavs is their bench they don't have a lot of guys that you feel comfortable with you know putting around this core four and like the biggest problem is a lot of the guys that are available on the bench are like Ricky Rubio who the Cavs got because they didn't have Donovan Mitchell the Cavs added, added Mitchell in September and they weren't able to fill out fill out the rest of the roster with you know Donovan Mitchell in mind so Karis LeVert is kind of the only player on the bench that kind of fits with what the Cavs need. So that's why he's important. But what, but what you can expect from him, you know, he is streaky, but he's really settled into his role since the trade deadline. His name was floated around the bunch at the deadline. Um, They weren't able to get a deal done, but he's kind of settled into being more of a three point shooter instead of settling for those mid range shots, which he has been absolutely awful at. So if Mm. you're the Knicks, what you want him to do is he's, he like, like Garland is good at getting the bigs involved and he's a good pick and roll player, but he really struggles when teams just completely sit back and force him to take that mid range shot. Cause he just doesn't hit that mid range shot at all. He's shooting 33% on mid range shots, which is lower than what he shoots from three. So, mm. you know, he's kind of he's kind of a frustrating player, but he's kind of a guy that they need because he's really like the only guy on the bench that kind of fits into anything that they want to do. Yeah, and, and I want to stay on the bench because that was something that I've been noting all week as we look at this matchup. Mm-hmm. If there was one thing I felt like I could say, okay, I can definitely point to the Knicks having an advantage here. I thought it was the bench. I think you look at Emmanuel quickly, who could be the presumptive you know, six man of the year, potentially. I know he's in a close race with Malcolm Brogdon, some other players. 
Um, Josh Hart has really kind of changed the dynamic of the Knicks bench and the whole dynamic of the team, quite frankly, since he's joined the roster. Um, overall, do you see that same advantage for the Knicks potentially in this series with the bench beyond just Karis LeVert? He's a player that I know is a dangerous offensive scorer, but what about Chetty Osman? You mentioned Stevens. Is that something where the Knicks come in with an advantage against the Cavs? A huge advantage. You know, the the big like the Cavs bench is a big problem. Last year they were buoyed by Kevin Love having a great season and Ricky Rubio also having a great season until he got injured. Ricky Rubio hasn't been the same guy. And he's it's it's a much worse fit because last year what they needed is a guy who could set other people up and create off the dribble. And this year, when you have Donovan Mitchell paired with Darius Garland, you don't really need that because you don't want to take the ball out of, you know, Donovan Mitchell's hand. So he's played worse and is like a worse fit. But the Cavs bench has been a problem all season. The players that kind of fit what you would want best are like Danny Green. Danny Green has he's had a tough time coming back from his ACL injury. He was out a couple weeks with COVID. So he's only played 18 minutes with the starting lineup, which is a big deal. So I don't think you can expect much from him. Jetty Osmond's really hit and miss and JB Bakerstaff really has a short leash with him. So I think what the Cavs are going to be doing here is they're just going to be rolling out their core four players. They're all going to be playing around 40 minutes and you're just going to hope to fill in the rest of that time with maybe a little bit of Dean Wade, a little bit of Lamar Stevens and a lot of Karis LeVert and Isaac Okoro. Yeah, I was, I, I was, I was looking at the the numbers and, and uh, as I'm working on my preview, I was like, you know, Nick's huge advantage of bench. I did. I was surprised to see though, that the Cavs are actually plus 1.6 net rating um, from on their bench unit, which is six in the NBA this year. Um, a lot of it has to do with defensively, I guess, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're near the top of the league, obviously. Um, and I, you know, so I think that has a lot to do with it, but yeah, you basically kind of got to my point. I I, I expect, um, especially with the games being parceled out as they are, you know, two, uh, game one, two games off, uh, you know, game two, three days off, and then the you know game four is until Saturday. That you you expect JB to kind of play those guys forty plus minutes a night and um, really just lean heavily on on the on the on the starting unit plus Laverts. Have those six guys play as much minutes as they can possibly handle. I assume. Yeah, um, and one of the things that we've seen throughout the season is how JB rotates, how how he uses this rotation. He's always keeping two of you know Garland Mitchell. Allen and Mobley on the floor at all times. So one big with one guard. And yeah. usually when you take one of the guards off, you put in Karis LeVert. So that's kind of, you know, they're going to have to survive probably about 15 minutes with, you know, with that little staggering there. And that's where I think the Knicks can take advantage. Cause when you don't have, when you have one of Mobley or Allen on the floor, defending that pick and roll is a lot easier, especially when you have somebody like Dean Wade, who you're, very comfortable to let shoot out there. So it's just, you know, that's where the Knicks, I think, have to make their hay is when those four players aren't out there together. So before we get you out of here, Jackson, and thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. We talked, me and Tommy talked a bunch about kind of the sense of pressure coming into a series. Um, isn't on the Cavs, isn't on the Knicks. I want to get the Cavs perspective uh, coming into this postseason matchup. Is there a pressure from the Cleveland fan base, from the city, that this Cavs team is expected to make a, a deep run in the postseason? And would a loss be a major disappointment? Uh, I do think a loss would be a, a major disappointment. The Cavs, this isn't a make-or-break season. Like, the Cavs 
don't need to go to the Eastern Conference Finals for it to be successful. You know, the Cavs core four is all really young and they haven't had a chance to really fill out the roster along the edges just because of when this Mitchell trade was done. So it's not a make or break year for them, but they've also been really good this year. You know, when you look at the advanced stats, they all say the Cavs are, you know, one of the top teams in the league and you don't make a trade for like an all NBA type player and just get bounced in the first round and say, this is a successful season. So there is a lot of pressure on the Cavs. If that happens, I don't think you would see any changes going into next season, but this, you know, a loss here would make next season really difficult. You know, if the Cavs got off to a bad start, JB Bickerstaff could be gone, you know, like changes would be made. So there is pressure on the Cavs. I don't know if they, you know, I don't know if the team feels that type of pressure, like the players, because a, a lot of them, this is their first time. Well, this is the first time this group has gone to the playoffs together. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're feeling that pressure, but I think if this series, you know, went poorly, there would be a lot of pressure going into next season. That's when you'd see some changes. Who wins how many games? Uh, so I've been saying Cavs in five. I just think the Cavs wow. are a much better team. I think, okay. I think the Knicks just are going to have a tough time you know, stopping what the Cavs do best. So, you know, that's that's what I think. Jackson Flickinger, you can catch his work at Fear the Sword. Really good stuff. Jackson, thank you so much for doing this. Hopefully we get to do this again at some point down the road. Yeah, thanks, thank Jack. you for having me on. Appreciate it. Jackson Flickinger there. That was Jackson Flickinger there. Fear the Sword. Thank you so much to him for joining us. Uh, I want to shift gears here. I want to talk about uh, the full schedule that we now have out for this series, Knicks and Cavs, um, the series. We now know how this will work beyond just game one. We'll talk maybe a little bit about why it took so long to get this schedule out. But um, so we have a game two, which is set to take place in Cleveland. Um, that'll be uh, on Tuesday. And then the series will then shift gears to New York. So next Friday, April 21st, the Knicks will be playing um, the Cavs at Madison Square Garden in game four. Um, will be on Sunday, game uh, three at 8.30, game four at one. Then for the rest of the series, the times are TBD because I think the NBA wants to kind of maximize uh, the, the time slots once we get beyond the first four games. So we don't know the times of these games, but we do know that game five will be in Cleveland on April 26th. Game six will be in New York on April 28th. And if there is a game seven, that will be April 30th in Cleveland. So that is the breakdown for how the series will work in regards to the schedule. Tommy, any major takeaways from how the NBA broke down the schedule for this particular series between the Cavs and Knicks? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that the, you know, there's that the, with that length of time in between games, uh, particularly uh, game two to three, uh, Tuesday yeah. through Friday, um, and then game four, Sunday through Wednesday. So there's a, there's a good amount of time there, which is not uncommon uh, for postseason series, um, but, but certainly notable um, as teams make the transition and fans make the transition from a game, essentially every other night or, you know, um, you know, two games in five nights, three games a week, whatever, um, you know, the next, the, the first five games of the series are, are essentially over 11 days. Um, so, so certainly more time than we're accustomed to. Um, and I guess you could look at it at a couple different ways um, from the Knicks perspective. 
if Julius Randle isn't ready for game one, it, it sounds like he's trending in that, you know, that he will be ready. But if he's not, um, you know, that this gives him some extra time to to rest, recuperate if he is available for game one. Um, and just, you know, assuming he's going to deal with some soreness after game one, game two, um, he has a little bit of extra time. And obviously, as we know, um, Knicks played their starters a ton of minutes. Um, you know, Brunson, although he had some rest at the regular season, um, you know, that that certainly doesn't hurt. IQ, Hart, Grimes, all those guys uh, played heavy minutes, so that could be a benefit. Um, but I think it does benefit the Cavs more um, because, as we talked about with the previous guest, the Cavs are going to really have to rely heavily on their first five or six yeah. guys. And that's assuming Okoro's healthy. Um, if Okoro's not healthy, then they're in real trouble um, because mm-hmm. the, the the advantage the Knicks have in terms of depth and and, and their reserves um, increases exponentially if Okoro's not available. Um, but again, even assuming Okoro starts and plays, you know, his 30, 35 minutes, whatever the case might be, um, uh, they're going to have to re- lean real, really heavily um, on their main guys, um, which is something we'll talk about why they have to stay in a foul trouble. Uh, the, the, the the Jazz, uh, I'm sorry, the Cavs backcourt in particular, so I'm speaking yeah. specifically. Um, but yeah, so I think there's two different kind of kind of ways to look at it. But I think um, in terms of the schedule and the, and the spacing, um, I, I think it probably um, benefits Cleveland more than the Knicks. Yeah, I, I do think that the long layoff that the Knicks will have, uh, you know, two days, from games one and two, you know, two days, Tuesday to Friday for games two to three. I think that should benefit them. Um, when you talk about Randall having the injury that he had and the inability to uh, to stay healthy, I do wonder if having to play on Saturday as opposed to Sunday makes them decide maybe we'll hold Randall since we have up until Tuesday to get him ready. Uh, that could be a decision that they have to make. But, um, but yeah, the Cavs being the team that will probably play the shortest rotation which is ironic considering you're talking about a Knicks team with coached by Tom Thibodeau. But I, I think the Cavs very well could go to um, eight men, maybe even a majority seven guys really with, you know, the, the core four and most of that starting line kind of playing the 40, 42, 43 minutes in these games. Um, it, it's pretty nice that they were able to get these days uh, that they'll have so many games, which, which the first four games they'll have uh, three, uh, two to three days in between so um what was the deal with why we couldn't get this schedule earlier i mean um i know it sounds a little selfish but like look i i i'm i'm looking at the ticket prices they're scaring me to death but i'm considering trying to get to one of these games you know i i you know i i don't know what the situation is going to be in terms of whether they're playing on 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 next week with the knicks so i is there any word from the nba as why it took so long i know that maybe they wanted to get more clarity in terms of what the playing tournament was going to be but it felt like regardless of what happened with the playing tournament the teams that had already qualified had that matchup set we should have had the schedule out regarding what it was going to be because i didn't know until literally yesterday whether or not i could actually find a way to get to one of these games uh next week yeah i agree i haven't seen anything i do know that there have been some rumblings um, in and around the league that the it, it, particularly the top seeded teams the the number one seed in both the east and the west um are are a little bit of a disadvantage because they're not know who they're playing up until two games before the the, the, the game actually yeah. tips off um whereas obviously the Knicks and the Cavs have known each known about they're going to be facing each other for you know even before the regular season started like 14 days ago um you know and and then he can see Celtics knew that they were going to play that you know the seven eight winner was decided on Monday or Tuesday that was so they had a good five days to prepare yeah, um, yeah. so there yeah there is some talk there that um you know that that, that that's something they may want to adjust I wouldn't be surprised if in the future um 
they could start if they figure out a way to 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 short time of playing indoors and the regular season on a Friday or Wednesday. Right, exactly. That's have to play in the weekend and then and then the, start the playoffs that following Saturday. Yeah, that feels like that would make more sense because as we we saw that that you know the play in tournament has helped uh, avoid tanking to some degree, but then we saw Dallas Mavericks kind of just you know buck that system. But it feels like that Sunday ended up not being quite as dramatic as I think yeah. the NBA would have hoped when they kind of set the schedule up. You know, the idea was um, we'll have Sunday, everybody playing all essentially at the same time. A lot of these games were early afternoon games. So everybody be tuned in to see what was happening. And what we had was, you know, a national TV game where the Hawks are playing the Celtics. <laughs> you know, I'm watching, uh, you know, J.D. Davison getting minutes for the Celtics. And I'm looking at these rosters. I'm like, man, I don't know who half of these guys are. So it will make sense. I feel like if we just put the regular season ending on a Friday night for all the teams, have these playing games that we'll talk about in a second that have been entertaining, put them in a prime slot on the weekend, uh, Sunday afternoon, Sunday early evening uh, for the first games that maybe you decide them on a Tuesday. And then at that point, all the teams kind of have a, a full sense of who they will be playing. And then you get to that weekend and, and then you don't have this disadvantage that some of these one seeds are going to have not knowing who they're playing. Yeah, I think the league was hoping that they they, they set it up kind of like a you know how the World Cup would you know in the, in the final games before the knockout stage where each game starts at the exact same time so you can't you know yeah. merely you can't tell you can't you know force a tie and just play for tie all you need is a tie but you have to win and there's you know there's, there's uncertainty going on um, so I think the NBA was hoping that that would be the case but it, it didn't pan out that way so yeah and, and plus you know it's not like they get you know cr- crazy good ratings on a, on a Sunday afternoon um, if it was on a Tuesday night TNT you know end of regular season game um, the best night in regular season in you know last 20 years or so was the night um, Kobe scored today it's actually it's, it was it was April 13th yeah um, how many years ago five or six years ago when Kobe went for 60 and the Warriors won their 73rd game um, I believe that was a Wednesday night um, so they had, you know, this is it's not like the NBA has always ended the season on a Sunday. Um, I think because of the right. play in situation, they were hoping. Um, and if things had kind of, you know, a few different turns, if the Mavericks inexplicably don't sit Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, we have a lot more of that. Um, but it, it right, didn't pan exactly. out. Yeah, Knicks and Cavs game one set for Saturday. You have game two uh, set for Tuesday. Games three and four, Friday and next Sunday at the Garden. So if you're looking to get tickets to those games, uh, April 21st, game three, that's an 8.30 start, a little bit of an odd start there, but that is the time uh, for that game. And then Sunday is an early afternoon slate. That is a 1 p.m. start. So the uh, Friday to Sunday is the quickest turnaround that you'll see. Uh, a night game that's actually later in the evening than most uh, games, and then a, a Sunday afternoon game. The Knicks get one of the first two in Cleveland. That Friday night garden crowd will be so loud. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it will be as loud as, as, as you as you heard any sports arena in a long time. Um, if the Knicks can get get a little life, a little buzz in that building by stealing one of the first two in Cleveland. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. I, I hope to be there. And even if I'm not there and I'm watching on the TV, I, I know it's going to be really electric in that building and a really great uh, just environment here. In, uh, in the city and in the local area as we root for these Knicks here. So before we get out of here, we've spoken so much about this knicks cap series, and we have another episode this week where we'll give you our final thoughts, our full predictions on what will happen in this series between Knicks and Cavs. But I do want to give an update to what is happening outside of the Knicks peer review, and that is 
playing tournament madness. If you're watching on YouTube, you see that's the lower third we have here. Um, we, we're going to talk about what we've seen in the latest developments in the playing tournament and how that kind of, uh, you know, the implication that that is implied for what that means for the rest of the playoffs. So we have seven seeds secured in both conferences. Now just one spot remaining in the playoffs in each conference, the East and West, the eight seeds. So the Lakers uh, won a very strange overtime game against the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves in L.A., a game that they were down by double digits and found a way to win. The T-Wolves basically didn't score for like 10 minutes. It was really bizarre. But the Lakers found a way to win, so they're the seventh seed. They will now face the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, then you had the Atlanta Hawks go into Miami in a game that I think a lot of people didn't give them a lot of, a lot much of a chance. And they beat the Miami Heat, and they beat them pretty convincingly. They were leading pretty much the entire way. They had a double-digit lead for a lot of this game. They beat the Heat on the road, so they get the seventh seed. They face the Celtics in the first round of the playoffs. So those two matchups are now set, two and seven matchups in the East and West. Now we got to side the eight. So we just had the games on Wednesday night. The Bulls and Thunder both got wins. They're the first 10 seeds to ever win a game in the play-in tournament. They both won on the road. The Bulls beat the Raptors. The Raptors shot 50% from the field, in large part thanks to Dr. DeRozan, the daughter of DeMar DeRozan, who was yelling like the top of her, her lungs and affecting the Raptors on the free throw line. And then, uh, you know, the, the Pelicans who were out Zion Williamson, and that's becoming a story uh, again with Zion not being able to be available. Pelicans unable to execute late in their game against the Thunder. And now they uh, are, are out of here. So Raptors, Pelicans, their seasons are over. Bulls and Thunder advance as 10 seeds. They will face off against the Heat and the T-Wolves, respectively. So when it comes down to just the entertainment value and, and what the playing tournament is supposed to be, based on what you saw in these first four games, uh, is the playing tournament working in your eyes? Yeah, definitely. And, and not just because of these the, these games in particular. Um, you know, just the the, the 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 rush to get into the metrics kind of through, through a monkey wrench and, and things. But, um, you know, just the excitement that it kind of caused throughout the league, you know, teams. The Bulls would have had an insanely disappointing season um, if not for, yeah. you know, expanding to the letting the nine and ten, you know, for their asset another game or two um you know that that that's just one for instance so um you know i, I definitely think it's worked out um there it's not perfect but i think it's um you know it's it's the, the best of the systems we have you know um winston churchill said democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others um so i think there's well <laughs> yeah. we can complain about you know each system and the, the, the lottery and preventing tanking etc um there is no perfect system so i think the um the, the current situation they have is the best that i've seen i, I think they'll continue and should continue for a while going forward um just one quick thing on the um pels because you mentioned them um i couldn't help but think this morning the you know last april compared to this april the pickens a team on the rise, a, a superstar in the making, um, a young coach, a young team. They took the Suns mm -hmm. six games in the first. They were up in that series and just seemed like the the the, the ceiling, the roof was the ceiling, you know, for that whole franchise. Yeah. And you know, and, and really trending in the right direction. Conversely, the Knicks, LOL Knicks, laughing stock, rudderless franchise, yeah. out of the playoffs, ten games below five hundred. Um, and it's just fascinating to think a, a year later. 
um, Pelican season is over. Those comments from Zion Williamson, as an aside, were alarming. Those were, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm ready to play, but I don't really feel it. You know, it was, it was, yeah. there were some weird undertones and subtext there. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we're going to hear a lot of uh, Zion room, Zion Williamson trade rumors, um, whether wow. he leaks a story and and somebody. But I, I obviously, if you're the Pelicans, that's a, a last resort. You don't want to. He's so incredibly talented that you don't even, that you don't want to consider it until you're absolutely forced to. Um, but again, him dunking pregame, um, and and I tweeted like as 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 um, uh, Riley said to, to Charles Smith, if you can give me you know uh, five minutes, then why aren't you playing tonight? Um, there's the, there's there's some definitely cause for concern there if if you're a Pelicans and, and New Orleans fan. So yeah, but uh, otherwise, uh, as as it relates to the other you know playing game, we, we still got some uh, some fun matchups coming Friday. Um, we'll see how it all plays out. Um, you know, nothing nothing crazy, but I did think I did find it interesting um, that 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 a few of the you know he- relatively heavy uh, underdogs uh, uh, Hawks. Um, OKC, um, you know, both those teams were were five point underdogs and, and, and came through and got victory. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh, in the uh, the final yeah. games for the eight seeds. Yeah, I will say the Zion situation continues to be uh, kind of in a Rubik's cube of a mess for the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, I, I felt like after they had their whole celebration, he signs the extension, they do the boys and girls. Yeah. Uh, club uh, appearance and he says all is good I'm ready to buy in and uh, I have a new focus this season I've listened to Biggie Smalls and he came in this year and they started off really well I mean I had the Pelicans going to the NBA finals to start the season and yeah it was a little limb but it wasn't the craziest thing considering where they ended last season and having Zion Williamson apparently bought in and ready to play and to go from that to then now he says that he can't play, but he can. But it's about being right and being 100% ready to go. And then he's dunking in pregame. I don't know how we got back to this. Like, this was literally the things we were talking about last year, where he was dunking in pregames of playoff games or her games on the stretch. And people were saying, if you can go and do windmills in the, in the pregame, why aren't you playing? It kind of felt like we thought Zion kind of learned his lesson from that, that maybe that was poor optics. Yeah, here we are a year later, and we're back at square one, where he's not available again for the biggest games of the season. And he's dunking in pregame and saying, well, I'd probably be out there if I really needed to, but uh, I, I don't feel 100% comfortable. I don't know. Uh, it's something, something is definitely off there. Pels call you, offer Zion Williamson and other stuff for Julius Randle and stuff. What did the Knicks say? I think the Knicks will say yes. I think the Knicks would say yes. Now, should they? I, I, I maybe I'm a little torn because I, I made, I made a, I made a prediction that fell so flat on its face. But I don't know if I'm dealing with Zion Williamson if I'm on another team. Zion Williamson. I, I don't know if like I'm taking that risk. Like, if he wants to come back healthy and he shows me, okay, he can have a full season, committed, dedicated, not hurt. And then he's up for available. Maybe they tell, okay, okay, let's trade him now while the iron is hot. Maybe I take a flyer right. there. I think seeing this version of Zion that we've seen in the last few years where he's not available and his dedication has been questioned, I just don't know if I want to take that risk, especially now that he's gotten the bag, now that the money is already uh, in the book, so to speak. I, I just don't know well, if I'm taking that risk. 
one quick thing on that. The last, the the the, the Pels did build in a lot of um, fail safes in there, where related to weight gain that was and true. things will move on. And the last three years aren't fully guaranteed, so something to keep in mind. He's on believers, and there are plenty out there, and as well, they should again. As in terms of talent, this guy is the likes of which we've never seen. Um, he's played more games over his first three, four years than um, than Joel Embiid did. You know, there so the, there are stories where guys can kind of turn things around. Um, but Embiid was just basically one injury that took him two years to recover from, and he's been relatively healthy since then. Um, whereas Zion, it seems one thing year after year, and then he gets you know, then he misses a month, and then he, he's out of shape. Um, doesn't seem to be as committed as you would like. And again, those, I, I find those comments really alarming, um, whether they were just a reflection of kind of how he views himself in the league or, you know, uh, again, I, I thought I just couldn't help but think that it was somehow a, a shot at the, you know, at, at the team. And, you know, we'll see I, if you're a teammate, you want to hear somebody say like, yeah, I could play today, you know, in, in the most important game of the season, but I'm not quite right. So I'm going to hang out for a little bit. You know, it's just the, that, that type of stuff can can leave some lingering scars. Yeah, and we'll we'll end up seeing you know how this all plays out, but uh, man, I don't know, I, I don't know. It does not look good over there in New Orleans. And uh, Jimmy Butler, here we go. Are we ready to play serious? Is this maybe. the time? We, yeah. We've been waiting. Maybe, uh, maybe know, wait to the regular. Maybe, re- maybe wait to the second half of the final game of the season before we decide <laughs> to play for real. You know? Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. We all miss. We all misheard him. We we thought he meant second yeah, half, yeah. meaning you know the second half of the regular season. He actually meant the right. second half. Of the last playing game, that's when yeah. it's time to play. <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens. We got these playing games here. I will, will say one thing, man. Watching, especially those people talking about the Lakers, those teams are terrible. Like, like this has been entertaining. This has been fun. I have no problem having these games. I enjoyed. I don't know. Why I enjoyed these games, but I enjoyed that people were enjoying these games and they were all talking about basketball on a week where normally we'd just be waiting for the playoffs to start. But right. I mean, there are people saying the Lakers team is a potential championship contender. I mean, are, are we? I mean, is it crack? Is it crack? Did you see so what you, I saw? So you don't listen. You healthy LeBron, AD. I don't think they're a championship contender either. But I, you know, I, LeBron has done crazy things. You think that? So you think Memphis is going to beat them easily, or you I think, think they can they make get washed? And get I think they wow. get washed in the first round. I think they get washed. I think that the Grizzlies are so athletic; they get up and down the court. The Laker offense has been hit or miss really even all season before the trade, but they've been better since the trade. But the way Definitely. Memphis can defend, switch, I, I think that they're going to be in a world of trouble. Like they, can, they, they couldn't stop turning the ball over against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they're going to face the Memphis Grizzlies now coming up. I, I think that they're in trouble. And I, um, they, they have nope. a extended, extended, speaking of, you know, kind of uh, stays and breaks between games, they have that extended – uh, stretch in Memphis, um, which is going to be like a three-day stay in Memphis. I, I I don't like them in those first two games. Maybe when it gets to L.A., things change, but I, I think that this is going to be a, a quick series for the Grizzlies. LeBron can film uh, Space Jam 3 in between those those games one and two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I saw John Hollander was like, you know, every, t- every team gets this dreaded thing. We don't know who it's going to be, and this year we now know it is the Lakers. 
I, I will say though that no Brandon Clark and Steven Adams for 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 Memphis down low I think makes a difference. If if AD can get um, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. in foul trouble as we know he as as JJJ is prone to do, um, I get I give the the Lakers a fighting chance. Part of it is just because I want to see LeBron do cool things at, at age thirty eight. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I agree they're an underdog. Um, I am I, I with you. I am surprised that they, I think that Vegas actually has them even money or. You know, or, or or the Lakers just a slight underdog. So um, yeah, that's crazy. You know, it, it, it'll it'll be very interesting because you know all all year you know basically since they signed AD was you know or at least the start of this season it, it, last season just get a healthy Anthony Davis and a healthy LeBron in the postseason and 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 because of the postseason trade um, you know that they are you know that they have some some quality pieces um, surrounding them now the Vanderbilts Beasleys etc. Um, I give them you know a little more than a fighting chance. I th- I think they do have a shot to to knock off the Grizz. Boy, has this been a fun conversation today. I want to thank you all for checking out this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, WFN Odyssey original. Tommy, let's people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. Catch me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter. Action EJ on Instagram. Of course, this is Orange and Blue Bloods. Make sure you catch this podcast wherever you get your podcast, including the free RT app. Make sure you get the auto download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. We got one more dropping this week, a full preview a prediction and uh spoiler perhaps maybe if we get a right episode of what will happen in this series between nixon cast make sure you guys uh keep your eyes and ears peeled for that um again catch us on all your streaming services make sure you also catch us on youtube and catch us on the wfa channel as well as the odyssey sports channel that's gonna do it for now thank you guys so much for checking this out for tommy i'm ej thank you these guys peace